swing and a line drive left field. Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did. He got it. Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. Three, two. High He crushed it. It's a grand slam. Swing and a miss. Thankfully, it's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. The season is over. The Red Sox uh, end the season with a 23-37 and record. Or, excuse me, I think that was 24-34, and uh, but... Who's counting at this point? The Red Sox are in last place. They did win the series against the Atlanta Braves, taking two out of the three. Tons to go over this show. It's going to be a different format. Uh, We're going to be getting into some Renicky Alex Cora talk. We'll rehash some Jackie Bradley talk, the plausibility of him coming back, and then what next year's starting rotation might look like as the Red Sox open the season. So with me tonight uh, from Saugus, Massachusetts, Al Nahigian. Al, how are you? I think you know the answer to that question. <laughs> I, I think you know the answer. Yeah, and it's got more to do with the Celtics. Uh, yeah. Ending their year. Yeah. That's too bad because they, they could have won the series 4 to nothing. Um, you know, dropping a couple of games, or at least five to one. Uh, excuse me, four, four to one. And and isn't it funny that the Celtics and the Red Sox end their series in the same day for the first time in ever? Yeah, that's uh, pretty tragic. So, uh, joining us tonight, also from Providence, Rhode Island, Charlie Smith. Charlie, how are you? I am. I'm struggling a little bit today. So I, I literally thought, all right, you know what? The Celtics have got to win game six. So I don't have to worry about that game. Then that happened. Uh, Jimmy Butler's a piece of trash. Can't stand him. Uh, and then the Red Sox had a perfect opportunity to throw Matt Hall in it and blow an eight-run lead, and they didn't do it. <laughs> so I unfortunately did not finish with the record that I thought was going to happen. I was one win, one loss off when everyone thought I was an insane nut projecting 23 and 37 they go 24 and 36 uh so they had two more losses Terry they did have a full 60 um it's it sucks it it hurts you know it's just I don't know man I feel like at this point a lot of people have given up on the Red Sox and they're like all right maybe hopefully the Bruins will do good and that happened and then the Celtics well that happened so now it's just uh oh the, the Patriots won so that that was good yeah, Raiders were undefeated coming in, so you know they should uh, probably, you know, glide into the postseason anyway. But the big news of the day for the Red Sox: Ron Renicky fired as the manager will not be back in twenty twenty one. Now, you guys do the the Sunday show. Andrew and Jason do the midweek show. It was like two different shows. 
in regards to Renicky and you know what the plan might have been for him next year. You guys were you know kind of expecting him to be back. The other show, not so much. Um, I Matt Quatrero has been my leading candidate all along, but admittedly, as the season went on, I was more, you know, thinking, well, maybe Renicky is kind of winning these guys over. And it seemed like the decision was made a long time ago that they would be telling him on this day he wouldn't be back. So, Charlie, what are your thoughts uh, as far as that news being dropped today? Uh, I'm, I'm, abs- you know, I'm, I'm shocked because I feel like if you, if you fire Ron Renicky at the end of 2020, you're trying to pass blame on something. Uh, you're trying to pass the blame on someone that literally had nothing to do with this season. It did not matter who the manager was in 2020 for the Boston Red Sox. They were going to do terrible no matter what. And this goes in, in perfectly in line with what I said last week. You had a starting rotation that consisted of superstar pitchers. Chris Sale, David Price, Eduardo Rodriguez, Nate Evaldi, um, and, and Rick Porcello of the past. You have Cy Young caliber guys. And that got depleted to Nate Evaldi because of injuries, trades, and myocarditis. Like, come on. What were they really expecting? You basically you put someone in the manager role just to fill a, a, a spot. I think what they did to him was wrong. Uh, I'm a little disappointed in, in Haim Bloom for, for making that move. It, it, it begs the question of what's going to happen with uh, Alex Cora in the future. I hope it's not Alex Cora again. I will still root for Ron Renneke wherever he goes next uh, because I think they did him dirty. Al? Got to agree with Charlie. He was sort of put in a no-win situation, and obviously when you lose guys like Chris Sale and Eduardo Rodriguez right before the season starts – that's obviously a little bit of a negative going in. And the the front office just didn't do anything to really put Renicky in a position to actually be successful. So you know what? He bit the bullet. Thanks for 2020. He got us 24 wins with a team that shouldn't probably shouldn't have won 24 games. But, you know, here's the brighter things in 2021, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, there were some positive things. I mean, the atmosphere and the culture around the team this year seemed positive, even though they weren't winning. They were making the best of it. You know, offensively, we were putting up some good numbers, especially in the month of September. We saw Devers get off to a bad start. Some of us were thinking, well, geez, you know, maybe maybe that's kind of a side effect of not having... Alex Cora here, but then he he found his rhythm. He got into a stride, was hitting over 350 for a long stretch of games. The power showed up. He started mashing. That was good to see under Renicky's leadership. And then to have a guy like Tanner Houck, who we'll get into uh, in a little bit, you know, make his debut, give up only one run in his three starts. Extremely impressive there. And, you know, there were other smaller things to like here and there as well. And I just thought that, you know, this this could be a guy that could be like the Brian Snitker type guy, you know, for the Braves who have just won their division for the third straight year. And, you know, we, we've seen some older guys come in when the trend has been to get younger, you know, as a manager. So 
I thought there was a lot to like. I'm not going to sit here and say I was hardcore pro Renicky. Um, you know, I I wouldn't have minded him coming back, but it just like I said, it just seemed like it just seemed like the front office had their their vision all along, and and he wasn't a part of it. Well, here here's the thing. I mean, if you have a heart, you're going to admit the fact that this was not Ron, Ron Renicky's fault. Uh, whether you liked him or didn't like him, whether you're a strong supporter or not, you have to admit that what happened is not his fault. So doing this to him, I find, is unfair. I find it to be not the Boston Red Sox way. And this is just another, you know, this is on high and blue. Like, if Bloom gets fired, I'm okay with that too. Because I feel like, you know what? You're blaming the manager of your team for failing? How about the fact that you did nothing this year? You literally did nothing. You shed payroll. You traded everyone away. And you blamed, you put the blame on a guy who basically took one for the effing team? Are you serious? What kind of joke are you? So honestly, like, I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm not down with, with Bloom right now. I, I'm actually, uh, you, can put, you can put me in the column for uh, not, not supporting you at all. Not at all. I think Bum. I think they should have been a little bit more transparent with Renicky from from the very beginning. They were considering other guys. Like we heard other names getting kicked around. There was a guy from the Diamondbacks organization that they were interested in back in either February or March. I forget his name. He was from Colombia, the the South American country. Uh, we heard Matt Quatrero's name, you know, kicked around. The Rays didn't want to make him available. They had the right to because the season was about to start. So they thought, you know, the virus hadn't kind of taken over by that point yet. But they could have been at least a little more transparent with him because he didn't automatically get the job because of those other names floating around. So that might have been the way to go. Um, I think... I think Bloom has done a good job positioning us for the next several years, so I can't say I'm not a Bloom guy. I'll get into something about him later where potentially, you know, I might get a little upset, but um but I just I don't, I don't I agree that it wasn't necessarily fair the way they handled it. And he was asked, Renicky was asked today, by the beat writers if they thought it was fair that he wasn't coming back and he kind of refused to to answer that you know but he didn't he didn't deny that it wasn't fair either so uh and he had an emotional conversation with the players in the clubhouse and and bogarts said that you know renicky had a a big impact on him but it's it's tough and he just he was out of baseball and you know what are the chances he was ever going to be managing the Boston Red Sox and you know I'm sure he would have loved the circumstances to be better but Detroit has an opening or go ahead Charlie oh no I I just you know I'm looking forward to the day now where you know every every manager that gets hired knows that one day it's it's going to be a day where you're going to get fired and now if 
if the same happens to to High and Bloom, I'm I'm more than happy to talk about that. I'm actually looking forward to it because you can't you cannot dismiss people as if they're garbage. And Renicky had done everything he possibly could for the team. I'll I'll, I'll be vocal about it as I, I don't care if I offend you. I don't care. Oh, no, Bloom is cheap. You know that's that's a product of of being in Tampa Bay. You don't want to spend money. You want to get as as much as you possibly can for whatever whatever player you're going to give back. He's just cheap. That's that's just who he is. It, it, that's that's it, what he did was cheap. That's pathetic. That's garbage. I'm sorry. That's garbage. It's trash. Uh, that's you know if that's how you feel, then that's how you feel. Uh, Al, any final thoughts on Renicky? Just like I said before, you know, he he did us a favor by taking the bullet in 2020. And then now you hope for the best for him. Maybe if whoever the next manager is, maybe they'll consider Renicky as a bench coach for the Red Sox. That would be kind of cool. But other than that, you know, thanks for being basically the sacrificial lamb. And, you know, more power to you and good luck. The elephant in the room at this point is Alex Cora, and the the beat writers tried today when they had a Zoom, you know, press conference with Bloom, which I saw in its entirety. Uh, they tried in in a bunch of different ways to to get Bloom to drop some hints as to whether Cora would be back, and the go to line for Bloom every time was that he he kept saying he didn't want to answer that because he hasn't had a chance to talk to Alex about anything yet and he doesn't think it would be fair to to not talk to him first or or whatever and I found it frustrating because it would have been very easy for Bloom to to unequivocally say that Alex Cora isn't coming back. It would have been extremely easy to just say that and bury it. And I don't know why that would be offensive to Alex Cora, but he's not allowed to talk to Cora before the end of the World Series because that's how the suspension rules work in that case. And... If you read Rob Bradford, Bradford's kind of trying to paint a somewhat optimistic picture that Alex Cora could be the guy, and he did cite that that clause where can't talk to him till after the World Series. But then you could go read read Pete Abraham, who I don't like at all, but Abraham seems to think that that Bloom is distancing himself from Alex Cora, so. I'm a I'm a no on Cora. I mean, I'll get over it if he is hired back, but but for now, you know, I'm in the no category. I just I, I don't think it's in the best interest of the team. But Charlie, go ahead. Thoughts on oh, Cora? I, yeah, I, I, sorry, sorry to cut you off. Um, I, I'm 100 percent in agreement with you there. Um, I think that bringing back Alex Cora right now would be a negative. Uh, for many reasons. One, because the Red Sox did not play a full season. There are still a lot of people out there that want to continue blaming the Red Sox and continue to call them cheaters. And Alex Cora was a huge uh, huge piece to the puzzle that made Houston as good as they were. This year, Houston was garbage. And uh, they were missing some of their key players. There's no question about that. 
some of them going down with Tommy John surgery, could care less about that individual in particular. But there were a lot of things that just did not go right for Houston. And of the teams that made the playoffs for the American League, the only team that had a losing record was the Houston Astros. They had a winning record before their last three-game losing streak, but I think the Houston Astros are a trash team if it wasn't for that whole trash can banging uh, you know, situation that they had. Red Sox got in trouble. People haven't forgotten about that. Yankees haven't gotten in trouble yet. People want to ignore that, which is just stupid. Uh, but it's only a matter of time before their punishment gets handed down to them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, oh, God. Uh, it, it's with, with Alex Cora, people are not going to be able to forgive. Or, or, or people are not going to be able to forget. They, they may be able to forgive. But you know that that stigma will always be attached to his name for as long as he's in baseball. That's it. You know, Pete Rose has been out of baseball for how many years? And people still are on that. It had nothing to do with his playing with it, with his uh, playing as an actual player. It was all after the fact. And it's just, I don't know. I, I mean, you bring back Alex Cora, you literally waste everything you've been trying to build in 2020, for the lack of a better term, building by dismantling. I don't know. That's just me. Al, what's your read on the situation? I'm going to be the one guy here that says if Alex Cora comes back, I think it's going to be a great move because you know what? You saw what Alex Cora did with this clubhouse, with the pitching staff, with the lineup, with everything. He had a command on that clubhouse, and I thought that it was great and obviously it resulted in a World Series title. And yes, I know they struggled in 2019. But think about it, too. If he gets Chris Sale back and Eduardo Rodriguez back, and those are big ifs, but if you get those guys back, that's two more guys that he can play with in the 2021 season. So you know what? You guys can say all you want. You don't want him here, whatever. Do I think it's likely he comes back? I don't know. I wouldn't count on it. But I definitely would not be upset if they were like, yeah, we're bringing back Alex Cora to be our manager. So I'd be for it personally. I'll get into a couple other things here. I, I would also like to note that the Astros picked up the option on Dusty Baker, and they did that right at the start of the season. So if Astros fans, and I, I don't know this, I'm not locked into their fan base uh, you know, very much, but if Astros fans were clamoring, oh, it's just a one-year suspension for Hinch, he's not coming back, well, he's definitely not coming back because, you know, they did pick up the option for for Baker. But um, so they don't want to deal with the optics of bringing back, a, you know, a, a convicted cheater, so to speak. And I just I don't know. I just don't think it would be wise on Bloom's part to have him come back have them get caught doing something stupid. And what I mean by something stupid is something that wouldn't even be cared about under any other circumstances had it not been, you know, the Red Sox committing the the minor violation because it was the Red Sox. It's just going to get blown up. And we saw Luna get suspended and then ultimately fired. I don't know if Bloom really wants that hanging over his head if he's got Cora playing for him. Now, do I think Cora would cheat? Probably not, but it's still it's still a liability one way or the other. Um, another, another thing Bloom said today, 
he said that it's going to be a while. This process is going to be a while. And he he even said further that he's not going to have a lot to say about it during the process. So if it's going to be a while, I mean, we're talking 30 more days. That fits the Cora timeline, you know, as to when he could be back. It's just... Another thing you could read into as well is he thanked Renicky for everything that he's done for the organization. He wishes him well in whatever he does. So you could look at that as if to say, well, if Cora is coming back, Renicky's not going to be the bench coach because I would expect him to be. So... You know, if if he's not going to be with the organization, maybe that's a maybe that's a subliminal message that Alex Cora won't be back. I I just I don't know what to make of High and Bloom, but I'm going to say this about him: if Cora ends up being the guy, and he was just completely coy about it all along, especially after pouring cold water on it in April and May when he had previous interviews that. You know, Cora got fired for what he did in Houston. Nothing to do with what he did here. I just, I'm going to have a lot of trust issues with High and Bloom when it comes to integrity and credibility. Uh, I'm going to say this when it, when it comes back to Renicky. Uh, what was the attitude of the players? when they found out the news that Ron Renneke was going to not be retained as the manager for 2021. And just a couple of hours ago, there was an article posted on Boston.com saying that Xander Bogarts had nothing but positive things to say about Ron Renneke, saying that he was the perfect man for this situation, you know, with this, with this incredibly difficult year. You have a fraction of a team. You have a minor league team at best. Mixed in with the fact that you have players not hitting, players injured, players suffering major medical issues, and he was always positive. You never once saw him throw one guy under the bus. Yes, I'm talking about you, San Diego Padres manager, who didn't back up Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, This is someone who is consistently... Beloved by his team, Xander Bogart said that if he hit a home run in the last game of the season, the first thing he was going to go do was go up to Ron Renneke and give him a hug. When was the last time a player said something like that about John Farrell? About, you know, it definitely wasn't going to happen about Bobby Valentine. No one liked him. But, I mean, Alex Cora, I think he, he got love. But do we remember hearing anything about a player saying, uh, yeah, I'm going to go hug my manager as soon as I hit a home run. Bogey ended up doing that and did just that. This is like home run haven. I, I, I just, the whole thing just, it feels dirty. It just, it's just not right. The players loved them. That's just, it's tough. Yeah, Bogarts, we'll get over it, I guess. Bogarts is the only one on record uh, saying anything. You know, uh, other players might have weighed in, but nothing's uh, been reported. Um, you know, here's the thing. The media, 
the Boston beat writers are the biggest cheerleaders for bringing them back. You've had Carabas on Twitter all day long, you know, expressing his strong desire for Cora to come back. You've got beat writers like John Heyman, you know, saying, tweeting out not to rule it out because ownership loves him. Mark Feinson said the same thing. You know, there's there's been a lot of speculation saying he could come back. You know, so I I'd hate to see it, but it could happen. It could happen. And you know, the Red Sox, you you've seen so many things over the years like they're they're conscious about a lot of things, you know, but tone deaf with others. You know, they changed Yaki Way, for instance, because of the racial history that was attached to him as an owner. So so they changed that, but then they fired Dave Dombrowski and don't have a press conference after, you know. So they're kind of all over the road when it, when it comes to optics. So it's literally, I, I don't know which way they're going to go with it. I really don't. You know, guys like Quatrero, Sam Fold is out there. Apparently, he's been popular. Mark Loretta, uh, you know, has been a name that's been interviewed by others. Um, Sandy Alomar, who's basically been managing the Indians in Francona's absence due to a myriad of, of medical issues. Possible name. So... I I don't know. I would just I would just love for for you know Bloom to just bury it if you know if he doesn't intend to go that way. You know, don't let this be the elephant in the room for a month, but the longer it goes, the more the more I'll expect it to become a bigger possibility. Listen to I mean, oh, I whatever team he goes to next in whatever capacity I'm saying this now whatever team he goes to I will support Ron Renneke I don't care if he's a Yankee bench coach I will still support Ron Renneke on the Yankees will I be happy about it? no will I still have a lot of respect for him? absolutely because he literally was told alright we need you to eat this shit sandwich and he said okay when other managers would have been like, uh, no, not going to do that and ruin my record, ruin my numbers. But he thought about team first. Not a lot of managers do that. I think this is one of the reasons why Jason Veritek was like, you know what? Yeah, no, I don't want to manage the Red Sox this year because I'm not trying to get shit canned after one year. And I don't think the Red Sox would have let Jason Veritek, who was a fan favorite, take that role. I think they wanted to give it to someone who they possibly thought, okay, if he gets discarded, Will we miss him that much? Will fans miss him that much? Because they couldn't do that to a fan-favorite player. Tech, no. Wake, no. Pedro, God, no. It's just, no. They, 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 they gave it to someone who they were not as romantically, intimately involved with. Ron Renneke was a, a very short-term relationship in the eyes of the Boston Red Sox, as evidence as evident by their move that they made tonight. Or excuse me, today. I shouldn't say tonight. Today. Right. And and when I heard it, I was shocked. I was shocked. Because let's be honest, if you're if you're romantically involved with someone, we're gonna pretend this is a relationship, 
it's really hard to let go. It really is hard. If you're just casually dating, and that's kind of how this was looked at, it's a little bit easier to say, let's see what else is out there because I'm just not getting what I need from this relationship. And this this was someone who gave it his all, was very positive, and maybe to some degree got blindsided. They were not transparent at all. And I would be I would be lying to you if I said even 5% I thought he wasn't coming back. I thought you've got to give him a full year, a fair chance to be the manager, not this half-assed BS 60-game season that you knew was going to be garbage. Come on. You did him dirty. That's it. And and that's going to be a strike on Bloom. If Bloom never wins a World Series as a member of the Red Sox, I hope he's never a GM anywhere ever again. I'm so I'm going to be vocal about this for the rest of my life. Yeah, I, I hope he doesn't do it. I did do a poll earlier. 79% of the Red Sox fans who answered it um, would like Alex Cora to be back. So <laughs> we're, we're in the minority, uh, the huge minority there. Uh, and let me also say this because you, you did kind of touch on it. If they said tomorrow that Cora wouldn't be back, the the attention would immediately get turned to Jason Veritek. Like that's who the the fans would would clamor for. You kind of touched on something there, Charlie. I don't think Bloom would do that because he's not gonna want a popular guy in there. Because if the team say the team is expected to do well next year, they make some acquisitions this winter and and the expectations are higher and then it flounders, the fans are going to love Veritech. So they're going to turn on Heim Bloom. They're going to blame it mostly on him. And and that might be fair anyway, but but they would do it regardless because of their love for Veritech. And so I don't think Bloom would want to, you know put himself in a spot like that where you know he's just going to lose the popularity contest every time so i think he would go after you know one of those candidates that that i mentioned but i i i did not know that you put a poll up today i i I was working all day today so i didn't get a chance to see uh what was popping on popular twitter pages like yours uh I did not know that 78% of people are completely incompetent. (laughs) If you guys think that putting a person who's already been in trouble more than once for more than one team, these are the people that care about winning and they don't care about etiquette and uh, I think respect and love for the game. So if all you care about is winning, then sure. Go ahead and get Alex Rodriguez back. Uh, Alex, oh my God, Jesus. <laughs> Alex Cora back in there, and and just do do what you want to do. Sure, but Alex Cora next year will not win a a title for the Red Sox. In fact, it won't matter which manager is in Boston next year. They're still not going to win a World Series title next year. And this is why, this is why it made sense to keep Ron Renicky there. If you had a stroke of common sense, high and bloom. Yes, I'm talking to you, sir. This team is not going to win 100 games next year. And uh, I'm going to come out with my season projection for wins next season. I know Al's going to be listening real closely to that one, too. Uh, JK, buddy. Um, But this is not going to be a team that goes very far next year, either. 
it, why? Because I don't know how many more additions you can make to this team before injuries and bad luck also strike this squad. I'm just being realistic. I'm being realistic as hell. Well, so or go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 please. Well, I, I'm, I'm a little more optimistic because I, I think the Yankees are going to have all sorts of issues, especially with health, and, and they've got a luxury tax uh, crunch that they have to deal with, you know, and especially if they're going to give LeMahieu big money on a at least an annual basis, um, you know, so that, that would leave Toronto and, and Tampa. It's going to be an insanely competitive division because – all four of these teams, I think, are 500 or better capable, you know, barring just severe underachievement or, like I said, a rash of injuries. But um, but we'll get into the rotation here in the end, and I'll, I'll further bolster my case there. But, um, but yeah, um, let's just kind of move on because I, I promised Al we would be done by 11. Um <laughs> the other elephant in the room, Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, every time they mentioned him today, O'Brien especially, oh, this is the last home run Bradley will hit. Oh, this is the last time for this. This is the last time for that. You know, like they're they're having like a Jackie Bradley funeral almost, you know. And, you know, the fact that he could be gone, and I don't know if he's going to be, but before we get into it, here's what the outfield could look like. This is the depth we have. Verdugo, number one, obviously. I don't think we can completely write Andrew Benintendi off. Could his career be completely over because he's a raging head case? Yes, but he's going to get at least one more shot. So he's still here. You got Michael Chavis, who had one bad game in all of his appearances out there. Had a very good sliding catch today on a a sharp line drive. I was impressed with that. But he's a depth option, at least as far as platooning. You've got a top prospect named Jaron Duran, who has seemed to find his power stroke a bit at the alternative site. And you've got Gyro Munoz. So there's some depth here. And I don't know. I, I guess what's the plausibility that Bradley will come back? Is, is Bloom and ownership just so enamored with him and just so unwilling to part with him that they'll give him a, a three or four year deal at, let's say, 10 to 12 million a year tops? No. No, there's no, just, oh God, that's like the exorcist girl crawling down the stairs upside down with blood coming out of her mouth. There's absolutely no way that's happening. Like literally just went cross-eyed thinking about it. I think it's possible the Red Sox bite the bullet and maybe overpay him for a season to say thank you. Is he going to get a qualifying offer? Hell no. There's no way. But it's true that every single time Jackie Bradley Jr. hears his name ringing, he decides to have a just miraculous game. Like today, a fantastic catch, a home run, a double, a single, just missed a triple from, oh, you know, just one of the hardest feats to do in baseball with the old cycle. It just, it, 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 mm, Jason mentioned this too when we were talking about it. He's the fifth 
best hitter on your team. That's sad. That's so sad. Best defender, uh, best defensive player, no question. But offensively, not too good. And uh, you don't know what you're going to get with Ben Benintendi next year. Did he just flame out? Holy crap, I hope not. Because that was sad as hell. Really sad to see happen. Uh, the only spot that I think is a lock is Verdugo. And I think the Red Sox have to be diplomatic and say, you give Jackie Bradley a one-and-one. You give him a year where you pay him a crap load of money. And then a second year team option or team slash player option where you don't pay him that much. And it has to be mutual. If both parties say yay, then he stays. But if not, that gives you one year, 160 games, 162 games to figure out, okay, what the hell are we going to do to solve the conundrum of our outfield situation? Do you bring back Pilar? Yeah, you should, because he was liked and finished the year on a heater for his new squad. You should bring back Pilar. Do you bring him back and trade him again? No, I wouldn't do that. But you have got to get at least one outfielder, whether you have Jackie Bradley Jr. there or not. But I will say, based on what he was able to do to end the season, and the fact that it's a year where the contract matters, I think he's going to get paid for a year, that's it. I don't see him getting a three-year, $40 million deal like the contract that Jason Award got, which is just absolutely preposterous because there's no way he was going to live up to that contract. If the Red Sox are smart, they give him one year, you overpay a little bit with that mutual team player option in the second year, knowing full well he will not be back in 2022. See, I mean, he's very well positioned for free agency because he did have basically his second best year, albeit an abbreviated year. His agent is Scott Boris. And I think Bradley, just in the back of his mind, knows that he could very well have a bad season next year if he only takes a one-year deal. And that could kill his value going forward. So... If the money's there, I think he takes it. And I, I think that's what Scott Boris is going to tell him. And I just, I guess I'm just now kind of talking myself into the the front office just isn't going to want to pay him because, I mean, JD isn't opting out. So, you know, that money is staying on the books. So why add? And I think Bradley... His his market is in the eight to twelve million dollar a year range, somewhere in there. So, I think he could very well. I, I don't think he's quite thirty yet. He could get a um, at least a three or four year deal. It's not going to be, you know, earth shattering money. I mean, for comparison, um, the Yankees' second baseman there. I just mentioned him, DJ Lemayhew. You know he got he signed a a two year twenty four million dollar deal so twelve million per season and he was three years removed from winning a batting title in the National League so I think twelve a year is the top of the market for Bradley and it could very well be on the eight million end but I think he's going to want multiple years Al what what are your thoughts 
You know very well how I feel about Jackie Bradley Jr. I think he definitely wants to test the free agent market. I mean, he's made it very clear. From everything he said the last about week or so, it's has made it sound like he wants to at least test free agency and potentially be out of here. So you know what? If he's out of here, good riddance. I'm glad you played really good defense in center field for all these years. You're a gold glover. We can't take that away from you. But you know what? Take your inconsistent bat, get out of Boston, and let's build for the future with Verdugo, Duran, and all the other guys that you mentioned before. Because you know what? I am so sick and tired of seeing the most inconsistent 240 to 250 hitter I've ever seen in the outfield. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't want him back personally, but I'm just trying to I'm just trying to figure out what the front office is is thinking. But anyway, Charlie, uh, any more thoughts on Bradley? I think you're on mute, bud. Did we lose him, or did we lose me? Oh, no. Sorry. I've been muted this whole time. I thought I unmuted. Uh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> that's okay. uh, so um, I, I respect the sentiment that people think that he's not going to come back. I think he will end up trying to test free agency. I think in a whirlwind and passionate choice to come back, it'll be the situation of, uh, do I leave Boston for a team for three, four years and sign a $45 million deal? Or do I come back to Boston for a one-year $13 million deal with like a $5 million buyout option uh, in year two and come back and maybe keep the team alive for one year and give it a go? Because here's the thing. Jackie Bradley Jr., in my mind, while he could go out for a four-year deal or a five-year deal, I also kind of envision him being one of those guys that just accepts one- or two-year deals. And it wouldn't surprise me. I don't find it as far-fetched to say, yeah, he, he could come back for a year or two or, or three and make him a bunch of, of team options. I get why people don't want him back. He's incredibly frustrating. It's like, um, it's like having to have the same conversation with someone who just forgets. It's it's really frustrating. You just but you do it for someone you love. You know, I, there's going to be a moral here in this in this episode. Uh, there's a whole lot of, of love and relationship that I'm going to be mentioning today. I think Jackie Bradley Jr. ends up coming back again. One year deal. He gets overpaid a little bit, and this is going to be Bloom's attempt to try to regain my trust here with him. Because uh, right now I don't trust Bloom. Where the hell? Where the damn? So. I, where else would Jackie Bradley fit? He could fit great on a bunch of teams. But I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I think bringing him back for a year could be interesting. I'll leave it there. Atlanta might have a need for him, ironically, depending on what they do with Marcakis next year, who's right around 40 years old. But um, but we'll see. He At the very least, he's going to test the market. And I just... My expectation is they, they probably do... Um, you know, look for internal, um, you know, options. So, uh, wrapping it up, I want to just talk about what next year's rotation could look like. Here's how I've got it written down. And spoiler alert, I don't have Chris Sale in it right now because I don't expect him to be back until at least June or July. 
you know, based on the normal recovery time from Tommy John. He will be in it, but to start next season, this is how I have it looking. In the number one slot, we have a free agent to be named later. So whether that's Lester, Bauer, I'm starting to think Bauer's going to stay with the Reds, but um, but for now, you know, it could be a guy like him, maybe Jake Odorizzi on a one-year deal to kind of, you know, rebuild his value. There's some familiarity there with Bloom, you know, from the Tampa days. Dave Bush could fix him. So be it, there could be trades. We could get someone via trade. But in the, in the one slot, I have a free agent to be named later. Number two, Eduardo Rodriguez. I know it's iffy because he's coming off the myocarditis. But the expectation, you know, based on his statements and the vibe I get from the team, he will be back. So I've got him in the two spot. Third, I've got Tanner Houck. I mean, three appearances so far only gave up one earned run i think that was a total of um 17 innings looked okay nick pavetta looking very good uh today five innings pitched four hits one earned run struck out eight uh his previous start last week was also five innings uh gave up just one earned run as well struck out five I think he's going to be in the rotation. You know, we've got him under control for four more years. So then in the five spot, you've got to figure out Nathan Avaldi or Martin Perez. And I think they're both going to be on the roster either way. But I don't think that's a bad looking rotation. And you got, if Avaldi can get you to Chris Sale before he goes on the DL. Then, then Sale comes in, and we're that much better. Brian Mata could, you know, could be up in the second half as well. He is our top pitching prospect. If everybody's enamored with Tanner Houck, we got a guy who's supposedly better down in the minors. So, I'm an optimist when it comes to competing next year. I think the lineup's gonna be gonna be good. I think JD will be good, um, but. I actually, or, or better, I should say better, but I I got a new take on on JD Martinez. Oh yeah, I think that. Oh yeah, and it's not because that uh, dummy wrote that silly review. Um, but uh, I'll say this much. But thank you for keeping me fired up, whoever you are, Rando. Um, <laughs> JD Martinez had a piss poor season. There's no question about it. There's no way around it. We all know this. Wouldn't it be funny if J.D. Martinez was on the inside and kind of knew, you know what, if I suck this year on purpose, yes, I'm going to catch a lot of flack, but next year I'm going to come back with a vengeance and we're going to be better. But if I help the team suck this year by just not hitting anything, we'll, we'll get a better player potentially in the draft. Now, Hypothetically speaking, this player may not ever see time in Boston when JD is there. But who knows if the next player you end up drafting ends up being someone like Alex Rodriguez, who ends up just flying through the minors, literally flying through because you're that good. Then I could potentially see, okay, JD Martinez took one for the team. Now it's completely far-fetched. It is what it is. I actually see one of the members of the... um, of the Yankees joining the Red Sox, possibly a little bit of an overpay for one year, but just until we get Chris Sale back and, and we know what we're getting, because like you mentioned, Terry, a great call out. I don't have Chris Sale in my starting rotation next year either. 
and I have three of the guys that you mentioned in there. Erod, also a big question mark. We don't know what's going to happen. And that's one of the reasons why I said the Red Sox are not going to be that good next year either. But I actually think, wouldn't it be interesting if the Red Sox ended up bringing on Tanaka. a player? Yes. <laughs> I knew it. Yes. I think Masahiro Tanaka could find himself wearing Red Sox as opposed to pinstripes. And uh, for those listening, no, Terry and I were not texting back and forth. But the Red Sox and Yankees have had this kind of odd, like, distant cousin relationship where it's, you know, someone you, you just you don't want to let go of. You think of David Wells, David Cohn, um, and then even offensively, you have Johnny Damon. You have a bunch of players that have, have played for both teams. Uh, Jacoby Ellsbury, who absolutely bombed in New York, which is hilarious. But wouldn't it be interesting to see Masahiro Tanaka come and join the Red Sox, even in a, you know, a, a, maybe a mentor role, helping out some, some younger guys? If the Red Sox go out and get a guy internationally, and he's from the same spot as Masahiro Tanaka, you not only have a great mentor and someone that's been in the league a long time, you're going to have someone who can, um, who can show this younger kid the ropes in Boston. This is the type of team you want to play for. This is where you want to spend the rest of your career. Tanaka is 31 years old, coming off of a decent, a, a possibly, I would say a pretty good year. I think he did better this year than last year as far as um, K9 and, and his ERA dropped almost one. Um, I think this is the type of person who could blossom in Boston. He didn't really have a, 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 the, you know, a, a great season a couple years ago. Um, I think he had an ERA close to five, and people thought, oh, wow, this is it. Like, 28 years old, this kid is done. And then uh, the runs came down, everything got better, and he kind of came back out to where he was in 2018. Masahiro Tanaka in Boston, simply put, makes a lot of sense. I'd rather have Tanaka than I'd have uh, Bauer. And the reason for that being is we still don't know what's going to happen with the DH rule, and Trevor Bauer may get used to the fact that every ninth batter is a free out. In the American League, not really the situation. Tanaka is already used to that. And he can pitch more than five innings without getting tired. So I think Tanaka in Boston is is a very fair possibility. He's not going to be your ace. He may be a good two. Guy would be a solid three, though. It's an interesting possibility, but I, I think what ultimately hinges on that is how the Yankees do this postseason. If they've got the Indians next, and it's, it's going to be Cole versus uh, Bieber, which is as good of a matchup as you could hope for in the postseason. Tanaka goes game two. They have TBD game three. The Indians are going to throw out Plesak. But but if, the, if they get past the Indians and Tanaka is his normal postseason self, I think that's going to probably lead to him getting extended, unfortunately. But but we'll, we'll see. I, I wouldn't hate him you know, in, in a Red Sox uniform if, if that happens. In fact, I would love it, especially if he, you know, was, was pretty solid. Um, I've never hated him. I've never hated him. You know, it's, it's, I remember he made a comment where, oh, yeah, I, I can go 18-0 and 0 in this league. I can do it in the American League. And I remember a lot of people were like, oh, God, Tanaka, you just don't get it. You're playing in, like, a peewee league compared to Major League Baseball. You just don't understand. It is what it is. But he thought that he was going to 
you know, be, you know, 20 and 0 like he did in his last year before he joined um, the Yankees. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember that, but his last year playing in Japan, he went like 22 and 0 with a sub 1, 1.5 ERA and just was ridiculous. I mean, every everyone thought he was the, the coming of Christ. He was so good that year. Um, 24 and 0. Just had to look it up. I remember he didn't lose a game, and everyone thought, "Oh yeah, I did it in Japan. I can do it in the U.S." And I thought, okay, that's kind of pretentious, kind of cocky of you. Let's see what you can actually do. And he did pretty well in his first year. I got to give it to him. Seeing Tanaka in Boston has got to make you wonder if that rivalry could get a little extra fire because there's been no candle. There's been nothing lit in between this rivalry. This season, no rivalry. Nothing. No. Well, I may- think this could... This could get fired up again. Maybe we can get some payback from, uh, you know, the Damon deal back then. I did say on um, my bonus segment uh, yesterday, actually, that that the Dodgers-Padres rivalry is going to be the rivalry of MLB for the next decade or so. <laughs> Based on oh how, my God, yeah. Based on how the teams are positioned. Al, we'll wrap it up with you. You get the last word. What are your thoughts on the rotation next year? It's going to be interesting. I think I'm trying to be a little bit more optimistic about Sale and Rodriguez coming back. But honestly, Tanner Houck, kind of exciting to watch, especially his slider. It's electric. Nick Pivetta has some pretty good stuff. I mean, Terry, you ran off the stats and everything with his last couple starts. I'm excited to see him. And obviously, there's maybe a name, like Charlie said with Tanaka. I think it's funny how Charlie said to get a pitcher like Tanaka from the Yankees and he shuns me when I said to try to get Marcus Stroman from the uh, Mets no, from before. No. There's a funny. big hold up. Uh, actually, no. Charlie, you've been speaking the whole episode. Let me get my two points out. <laughs> Holy smokes. Holy smokes, dude. I couldn't even get a word in this episode. I'm just saying, I thought it was funny, especially with Tanaka. He's getting a little bit up there in age and I know you can say Stroman is too. I know you can say that. So I'm going to beat you to the point there. But I just, it was an interesting thought. I'll give you that. But overall, I mean, you make one or two moves, you strengthen that bullpen a little bit with some some more money that you have this off season than last off season. Could be fun to watch in twenty twenty one. Yeah, now you can go ahead and destroy it, Charlie. Marcus Stroman is such a bum, dude. He's such a bum, dude. This is the guy that would cheer after he got a strikeout at Fenway Park. I don't want any business of that garbage. I don't want any shares of Marcus Stroman in 2021. Absolutely none. I've never heard one bad thing said about Masahiro Tanaka other than the fact that he was a little bit cocky back in 2014 before becoming an official New York Yankee. I heard nothing negative about him. Stroman, you can count on one hand, I think, how many teammates actually enjoyed having him. Well, Stroman would be David Price 2.0, and Tanaka oh, Tanaka oh, might Jesus. very well be Dice K 2.0 at this stage of his career, but I'll still take Dice K 2.0. <laughs> yeah, are you kidding? Over. 18 and 3 record in year two? Please, yes and thank you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was 08. You know, I'm so mad. That was the Tampa year. But all right, good yep. show, guys. We'll uh, we'll wrap on that. Uh, Charlie will be with you tomorrow. It'll be Aaron Graves uh, with us to discuss the American League side, and then the night after that, we'll have uh, Jason on to do the National League side with us. So um, for everyone listening that is going to stick with the MLB playoffs, 
we're going to be pretty busy for the month of October. So a lot of content to be created. Have a good night, guys. Take care. Episode 221 in the books. The 2020 season is over for the Red Sox. Going to be tons of areas of the team that will probably be looking a little bit different. You know, from the manager to the outfield, I think the infield's pretty well set. The rotation will probably get an upgrade and, uh, Maybe even the bullpen, even though I'm less concerned about that. So we'll be getting into that throughout the winter. Winter is the most depressing word in the English language, but uh, so be it. But we'll be back with you tomorrow for some MLB playoff talk. Take care.